0: Hello, and welcome back to QC Uncut, your place for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation here in the Quad Cities. I interview everyone from people on the art scene to local politicians and more. And you get the entire conversation in its entirety. Don't you feel lucky? I'm Sean Leary, your wonderful and charming host. And today, my wonderful and charming guest is David Bondi, who is going to be directing Loser's Bracket, which is a new show that's coming up at the Black Box Theater in downtown Moline. It opens up November 15th. And, David, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm glad to be here, Sean. Let's get started with Loser's Bracket. Tell people about it. Um, This is a new show to the area. It's an area debut. I always love shining the spotlight on stuff that is making its uh, first spot in the area. Um, Of course, we see a lot of the same old, same old sometimes in theater. And I love the fact that Black Box and other theaters, other small theaters, are um, giving the spotlight over to new material. Tell us a little bit about Loser's Bracket. Uh, well, Loser's Bracket was written by Clay and Nate
1: Sander, who I grew up with in a small town just north of here called Comanche, Iowa. And the characters have come from that, uh, that experience, I think. Um, it's about a bunch of guys in a small town who, uh, who work in factories. They're down on their luck. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their wives and girlfriends. And they lose pretty regularly at softball, too, which probably pains them more than anything else. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's where the story begins. And it involves... Um, a little bit of insurance fraud that goes wrong and it's just uh, a bunch of guys trying to trying to make a buck in in not so good ways and and uh making it and doing making hilarious mistakes so
0: yeah Cool. Uh, and, uh, is, has this been performed before? Is this a debut period? This is the first time this has ever been done or has this been done in other theaters? Uh,
1: this has been done in Chicago and and in Los Angeles before. Uh, it was workshopped and originally performed in Chicago at WNEP theater. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm sorry, I don't recall the name of the theater. They did it in Los Angeles, but, uh, now it's coming back here and this is an area debut.
0: So this is only the third time this has ever been performed nationwide, period. To my knowledge, yes. That's awesome. Third time here in the Quad Cities. Um, How did you become involved with the show? Uh, Well, I got a call from Clay, who's one of the authors.
1: Uh, We've been friends since we were 13 years old, and he uh, asked me to see if I would, uh, would direct
0: it, and I said, yeah, sure. Now, let's talk a little bit about your background as a director. When did you first get into theater? Uh, When did you first get into directing? Uh, I first
1: got into theater and directing when I went to school at St. Ambrose. This was back in the early 90s. And then I went uh, to, well, I I taught theater at uh, a small school here locally for a while and then went to California to grad school to get my MFA in directing and then continued to direct uh, sort of, you know, periodically as I raised my family, too, um, in Chicago and Los Angeles and as well as... uh, here in the Quad Cities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most recently, I've directed a show for the uh, Quad City Theatre Workshop. uh, Doll's House Two, that was, uh, and I've worked, done a lot of work with uh, the Curtain Box Theater back when it was still oh, yeah, very active. Sure, sure. Uh, I directed uh, Glenn
0: Gary Glenn Ross for them. Um, it was one of the shows that I did for them. I love that show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We did that show when I was producing shows in downtown Rock Island. We did Glenn Gary. That was great. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, what is it about this particular show that attracted you to it? And um, when you're first starting off with it, what uh, what have you discovered? About yourself and about the show As you've kind of progressed in regard to it Well, what it, uh What I've discovered is that um,
1: About myself In particular is that the, I'm, I'm finding my Finding myself very close to these characters Because they ring so true to the Characters I grew up with in the small town of Comanche And uh not you know not their exact copies of them, but that's where their their roots are, and so I I found myself being very attached to them in that way. Um, it's it's interesting when you work with a new play, especially when you work with a a playwright I worked a couple times with with living playwrights who were developing their scripts you can't always hold them accountable for fully understanding what it is they've created uh, because a lot of it comes from the gut and the heart and it was just interesting to see you know uh, how my friend uh, how my friends wrote the play and how I see it differently from them Mm -hmm. Uh, even though we we both come from the same background and have the same background experiences and I just I see it differently than they do in, in some cases.
0: Um how do you tack a show that you're directing um when you what is it that draws you to particular material and um how what's your process in terms of kind of digging into it and finding what you want and what causes you to have those aha moments is there anything in particular that sparks that or that you use as a process to get to where you're like Ding! That's, that's just fantastic. It happens in different ways with different shows. Uh, in this show, I, you know,
1: I tend to be a very collaborative director. I like to you know, solicit as much from uh, the cast that I'm working with as I can because I, I don't have all the best ideas. I never thought that I did. And it's been fantastic working with this particular group because they've got all kinds of great ideas for how to make the show better. And they, they see it differently as well. And it's, it's feeding off each other to try to find those, those aha moments um, that you're talking about, I think. How, what about with this show? What's that been like? Uh, it's well, it's been great. Um, the well, for example, here here on this uh, bar front, there were a couple of like mud flap ladies, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I was thinking about I'd take them off, I'd get rid of them, um, but I didn't want to do that without talking to the bar owner. So I talked to the character, the lady who's playing the character Boo, to get her input on it first, mm-hmm. and she said, ah, you know, she kind of agreed with me, and then we thought, okay, we'll take them off. So I came in here and ripped them off today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this particular show. Um, What's been most eye-opening to me, I think, has been the character uh, Terry, the sheriff, who is, in the minds of the playwright, is this really ineffectual uh, sort of person. But I, I'm beginning to see more in him than that. He's, Yes, he was probably picked on as a kid and kind of bullied a little bit, but in this show, I think he has found, you know, come into adulthood and sort of found uh, his manhood in a way. And he, he fights back a lot more than other characters do, and I don't think that the playwrights necessarily saw it that
0: way. Um. How have certain characters changed you? Because as a director, uh, you spend a lot of time with the characters. And in a way, that's different than the actors. In the fact that the actor is typically, it's much more solipsistic where they're looking at their particular character. Whereas with a director, you kind of step into the shoes of all of the characters to kind of get to where they're going. Um, Have there been any characters that you've directed that have changed you personally? Personally, and what are some of the ones that have done that? And what are some ones that you've missed after you left the show behind? Um, <clears throat> characters that I've missed. Are we talking about this show in particular, or any, any show in particular that you've done?
1: Well, um, I don't know. I think I think Glenn <clears throat> Gary Glenn, Glenn Ross. I re- I missed all the characters in that. Um, after I left that show behind, um, I, I think they became you know. They became more of a part of me than maybe any other show i've ever done i don't know what that was exactly about them maybe it's just the way that mammoth writes but um, but for that particular show it was it was hard to walk away from that um for this particular show what i'm finding is that well i know for a fact which characters are based on any any author, some of his work is going to be a little bit autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know whose char- which characters represent who in this play. And it's been interesting seeing how the playwrights sort of see themselves in a way uh, and how I see them differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know there's a couple of characters in this who I really kind of feel more attached to because I know exactly who they're based on in this case. Um, I don't want to spoil it or maybe sp- uh-huh. <laughs> spill it for, for Clay and Nate. But yeah, that's... Um, That's
0: the way I feel about it. Um, Is that difficult for you? Like having a a real-life tie to the characters and then having to direct them in a different way and then having that additional filter of the playwright... That's, that's kind of thrown into the
1: mix not, not really in this case because Clay and I had a lot of conversations about this uh, before I directed the show and, and he's been really great about giving me free creative reign uh, and I have to take these characters in different directions in some cases than, than they may have intended um, but, but no I don't feel I don't feel hesitant to do so I feel like I'm at liberty to do so
0: um, is there anything in particular that, uh, talking about your directorial process and the collaborative aspect of it, are there certain, uh, uh, elements of it? Do you have a certain process that you follow, um, with each show, uh, where you're like, okay, I'm going to start here and do this. I'm going to do this and do this. Um, if so, what is that? And also if not, um, you know, how do you sort of adapt to each particular one?
1: I, I try to be as organized as I can going in so that all my ducks are in a row and I feel okay about, you know, now I've got, I've got it all organized. I've got it all mapped out the people that I'm working with know how it's going to be uh, on the you know, production end of it. Now I can just focus on the characters and focus on, you know, playing a little bit myself and letting them play as well. So I, I try to free myself up. Um, creatively by getting all my organization done ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have to sort of, you know, change things on the fly a little bit sometimes, but um, that's kind of how I do it. And it's, it's different for every single show, truthfully. And the amount of work i got to put in before each show depends on, you know, the, the complexity of the show and uh, I mean, I always keep going back to Glengarry Glen Ross, but that was a very—that that show took a lot, of, uh, a lot of work ahead of time mm-hmm. in terms of you know, determining the rhythms, the scoring of the whole script, uh, before we even got into rehearsal. Uh, this is a little bit different um, for a lot of reasons. It's not quite as complicated, but it's, it's a different kind of comedy than, than Glengarry Glen Ross. So well
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it seems like it yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) so how do you build uh camaraderie and chemistry within the cast i
1: i know i don't know that i ever do i think that they they have chemistry they find chemistry within themselves um i think i think sometimes uh it it helps to sort of be on the outside of uh, the cast. I'm not a member of the cast. I'm on the outside of it. I let them play and do their own thing and form their own chemistry and, and relationships. But but I know that eventually, very soon here, I'm going to be obsolete. I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. So I, I don't want to involve myself too deeply in that. Uh, I'm going to miss these guys when I when I stop working with them. But you know, there's going to be a time when it's, I just got to drop
0: the reins and, and move along. What are some shows you've never done before that you'd always wanted to, and why? I've you know. I've never done the goat.
1: I always wanted to do the goat, but uh, somebody's already done that now. And I'm so excited to go and see it uh, when it comes up here. Well, it's already in production, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Um, that's it's because I love really twisted and dark material. I don't mm-hmm. know. I love comedies, but I also love really dark material. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Mister Marmalade. I, th- I, love, oh, I I love. Yeah, yeah.
0: That script is fantastic.
1: I love that show. I, it's so dark. It, it's, but yeah, it is so so dark. And I don't know. Maybe my sensibility about it changed because it, you know, not too long ago, I went back and I reread the script and I thought, oh boy, maybe I don't want to do that as much as I wanted uh-huh. to. Maybe I've maybe
0: I've changed in some ways. But I, I love that show. Yeah. So yeah. We were thinking about producing. I used to uh, run a theater company in downtown Rock Island with Tristan Tapscott, and we uh, that was one of the shows that we. Didn't didn't end up getting around to producing it because we kind of went our separate ways and life intervened and stuff and whatever but we did a lot of um we did the pillow man and we did a lot of you know darker stuff um a lot of martin mcdonough stuff and mammoth and things like that and mr marmalade was one that that we'd really looked at at doing and it was it was one of those that would have been very uh intriguing and challenging to bring it to uh local the uh, audiences mm-hmm. who maybe are not quite as used to dealing with some of the darker material. Um, how uh, do you overcome that? I know, you know how we used to try to overcome that and try and introduce people to stuff that maybe there was a little bit out of their comfort zone when you're dealing with material, of that nature, which is really artistically rewarding mm-hmm. and is certainly intriguing for an audience but maybe is a little challenging or maybe is a little bit outside of the the realm of what they're used to um how do you make that a little bit more accessible make people you know open up a little bit more something like that you know again i I don't know that i I don't know that i do
1: everybody's going to take their own experience from whatever it is that that uh we present um in a case like that doing a show like a dark a little darker show like Mm -hmm. mr marmalade i would um,
0: I'm not going to try to tone it down. I'm not going to. Well, try no, you can't do that. I'm just saying, like, in terms of a ma- of a marketing perspective, in terms of like getting people to come and give it a chance. Right. Obviously, you can't change the material to the point where, especially with that show, geez, <laughs> you're not going to tone that down. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, you know, to, to kind of get people to open up to the idea of just coming out to give it a chance, to give it a try, to see, you know, well, maybe, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try something out that's a little, you know, a bit edgier than. Sound of Music,
1: <laughs> you know? right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how. I think there there's, there are audiences out there for shows like that, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and there, there's a certain group of people who will go see Sound of Music and go see, you know, a Christmas Story every year or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, there is a there is a. I'm not. Well, we're not alone in, in appreciating that darker element. I think there is an audience out there for it. How to tap into that? I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you. How to how to reach them? But, but they do exist. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I don't know how I would tr- go about trying to. Trying to you know entice
0: people to come and see a show like that, apart from just putting it out there. Yeah. Well, there are enough people that watch serial killer documentaries that I think that there are people that are you know appreciative of darker material. Right. Yeah, I agree. Now with a show like this that isn't quite that dark, it's just um, kind of offbeat and different. Um, how uh, do you um, introduce people to that or get people to come out and see something like something of this nature, like Loser's Bracket? Because again. Regardless of how G-rated, PG, R, whatever it's new material mm-hmm. and right. people are unfamiliar with it. And I know sometimes it's, it takes extra mm-hmm. in terms of marketing it, in terms of putting it out there to get people to come and take a chance on it. Right. It doesn't, the, the name is the loser's bracket name doesn't have a lot of name recognition, right. yet, but,
1: but what it does have going forward is that this is close to its roots. So we are, we're reaching out to people in our hometown to bring, you know, busloads of people down to see the show. Uh, everybody in the, ca- oh, I'm sorry, everybody in the cast has, uh, you know, reached out to their family members and we've got tons of people invited to see the show. And then from there, hopefully word of mouth will, will help us get to where we need in terms
0: of filling the house. Um, tell us a little bit more about the show, about some of the funnier elements of it without giving too much away or spoiler alerts. Um, you know, Give us a give us a little bit of a pitch to people that are listening to this, and maybe they're on the fence, and they're like, I don't know, should I go see this or go see you know something that I'm a little bit more familiar with or whatever. Well, it's it's it's
1: really about there there are a couple of everyman characters in this show who are Tiny and Ethan, uh, and everybody has probably experienced a lot of what they're going through. They're they're suffering where their relationships are dying. They're. Um, They've got tons of credit card debt, and then there's this golden calf who runs a bar over here. His name is Hitch Bigwood, who um, we don't know it initially, but well, I'm not going to give that part away. He has a lot of money for uh, the wrong reasons, and when they discover that, they try to uh, blackmail him into what the, what the, into giving them money, but of course he's you know. He doesn't trust them. He's smarter than them. He is always one step ahead of them. So whatever they try ultimately fails until the very end in which, you know, guns start going off. So, um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hilarious moments, but most of that comes from the dynamics and the interplay of the characters who have known each other all their lives and grown up in the same town together. And just, you know, people who are overly comfortable with each other. So they're not afraid to say anything to one another. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's where the show has
0: its comedy and its strength. I think. Um, what are some uh, shows that you might have on the horizon, some th- projects that you're looking forward to? Uh, you know, i really, um, this,
1: this year I, this is the first two shows I've directed. I took a six-year hiatus uh, after directing the, uh, the uh, alumni show for St. Ambrose University years ago. So I don't know. I've been, I've been focusing on my family. They're, they're growing up now. They need me a little less. So I don't know what's, uh, what's on the horizon for me, but uh, I'm just going to keep my eyes open for opportunities.
0: What are some of the things things that still invigorate you that still excite you about the theater about discovering these characters Whether it's directing or acting. I don't know if you've done any acting or anything I you know, I've, I've learned over the years. I really I, I tried my
1: hand at film for a while and what I've really Discovered is that I like theater better than film because it is because it is live It is in the moment, you know mistakes happen and you have to keep rolling mm-hmm. um, it's and it's, there's such an audience, such, so, so much more audience involvement in part of it. It's all one big living entity when you get an audience in front of a, in front of a cast who's been rehearsing a show. Um, and it's, that's just really exciting to watch to me. And it's exciting for me to watch actors. Uh, the, the most fun I have in directing is watching actors having fun, discovering their roles and discovering who they are and discovering those fantastic moments in a show. So that's what gets me about theater.
0: Um, what about film? Is there something that you'd like to do in film? And, and what are the things that you like or dislike about film or? or if you've done anything on television or anything of that nature?
1: I, you know, I have before and it's, it's been fun, but I, I think, um, for me, what I, it's what I didn't like about, uh, doing things on screen on film, uh, is that it just, it's, it feels limiting now to me. Um, and it's so expensive and it's such a huge process and requires so much of people. And then you've only got one version of it right there and then, and it's unlike theater where you can have one play and have, Hundreds of different versions oh, of that yeah. same story. So, yeah, that's what I like about it and what I prefer over film. But and film is not something that really appeals to me anymore. What are some of the films or uh, projects of that nature that you've been involved in? Uh, years ago, I directed my own uh, film called "The Making of Kool Aid," which is about you remember those Kool Aid commercials where he comes, you know, hey Kool Aid, he mm-hmm. comes smashing sure. through a wall. It was about the making of a pilot for that series of commercials and how everything went horribly wrong and children were hurt and you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's years ago. I did something like that, uh, and I've done a lot of stuff on uh, what's going on for at San Ambrose. They used to do a comedy show that Clay, my friend, was involved with too, um, and he's. Uh, you know, I did a lot of, a lot of acting for that. Um, but yeah, other than that, not a whole lot, a little bit of television commercials here and
0: there, but that's about it. Were there a lot of injuries, but did Kool-Aid man inflict quite a few injuries more, more than you'd expect? Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> was a documentary. It was it's a kind
1: of a documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a lot of fun, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of people a lot of kids in therapy still from that huh? uh, yeah actually maybe you know i don't know <laughs> i'm not 100 sure <laughs> i know their parents weren't excited about me so yeah that's,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> but they didn't actually get hurt it's just that was what it was in the show so right, mm. right um so uh what are some live theater shows that you um would like to direct coming up if you had a wish list over the next like five years um aside from mr marmalade which we talked about um is there anything any any others that you'd really really love to kind of sink your teeth into i'd love to do mammoth speed the plow i've always kind of oh, wanted yeah. to do that and i'd like to maybe
1: try my hand at his, his uh his race his show race mm-hmm. uh which hasn't been done around here
0: um maybe a couple so of neither days. Is speed the plow i don't think other than in college i don't think any of the professional theater or you know non-college non-collegiate theaters i don't think any of them have done speed the plow well curtain box did it a few did years they? ago yeah okay. <laughs> yeah it was a while back but it, it yeah but yeah the um
1: but yeah those i'd like to try my hand at some more mammoth to be honest with you um but that's really only ha- what i you know, have in mind so yeah that's about it cool cool anything else that you'd like to add david no i don't think so just uh, come and see the show i think you're gonna have a lot of fun with it
0: now when is it going to be performed again losers bracket it starts november 15th what are the show times and dates uh the show times are november 15th 16th
1: uh on at seven thirty, and uh I think it's 7.30. It's 7.30. Yeah. And then uh, on the 17th, I believe it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon of the of the show times, mm-hmm. And then the following weekend, of the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, same thing. Uh, 22nd, 23rd, at 7.30, and the 24th at 2 o'clock.
0: Cool. Down here, downtown Moline, Black Box Theater. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. Awesome. David Bondi, thank you so much for being a guest on QC Uncut. Go and check out Loser's Bracket. It's a brand new show making its area debut here at the Black Box Theater starting November 15th. Definitely check that out. Thanks a lot for listening to QC Uncut. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.